This podcast was created and is hosted by a young survivor of stroke. This podcast series is part of Stroke Foundation's Young Stroke Project. Find out more by visiting youngstrokeproject.org.au. Hi there, my name's Paul Burns. I'm a young stroke survivor and I am on a mission to talk to people that have suffered strokes and other traumas and have gone on to absolutely smash it in their chosen field. We'll chat about how they approach life, manage their shortcomings and get a few tips and tricks along the way. My guest today is Beth Browning. Beth has a strength and determination that has seen her to go on to smash it after the stroke she suffered when she was 19 years old. She's organised a major fundraiser for the Stroke Foundation. She has also completed her studies in nursing and has just begun her first role in the industry. We chat about how she accomplished all this whilst dealing with the post-stroke symptoms, such as fatigue, and navigating the associated changes to her social life that an event like a stroke brings. So please enjoy this chat I had with Beth. Thank you so much for uh, making the time to chat with me today. That's all right. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. No worries at all. Um, so I guess to get straight into it, nursing, has that always been a thing for you? I think it's funny because mum's a nurse, so I think that yeah. a lot of people kind of assumed or thought that that would be something I went into, but I did, honestly didn't really consider it until like I took six months out straight after school and okay. I kind of worked and I started a different degree. It was like sports science. And I think okay. I always had this idea like, oh, I really want to do something that involves me and helping people or, okay. you know, working with people. So I then didn't really think about it until then. And, you know, when I started it, I was like, oh yeah, like I should have done this straight out. Like it's definitely it just clicked. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of just like clicked. I think a lot of people around me and my family stuff were like, yeah, like <laughs> we knew, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I've definitely chosen the right thing for me, I think. Okay. So, I mean, what, I mean, apart from the family connection, um, I mean, what really drew you to it? Like, is, I mean, just purely helping? I mean, there's plenty of, I guess, plenty of occupations where you can help people and nursing's hard graft. Yeah, I think I was always definitely interested in like the medical side of things, you know, like growing up, I watched all these medical shows and you know Grey's Anatomy and like A&E and like all those things like that and then when I I think one of the other things was when I was 18 just before I started I think I was kind of going towards that direction and then one of my best friends um, was diagnosed with cancer and um, you know she's been battling it for the last few years she's and she's okay she's going really well but I think that was also one other thing that kind of influenced it a little bit you know I had someone close to me and I saw what she was going through and you know, hearing the good, the bad, the ugly about the people mm. that were looking after her. And that was one other thing that kind of just switched on. Like, yeah, I think I can do, I think I can do that. Like, I think I could do a, not a better job, but I think I'd be able to tell how to look after someone. Oh, right. I guess <laughs> there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I want to go out there and, you know, I mean, not to say that I want to be better than everybody else, but to, no, but- <laughs> to leave your mark, I reckon that's a great yeah. thing to do. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's definitely something that I'm very passionate about now. So so when you said the, I mean, I remember my, some of my experiences and I, I guess we'll dig into some of yours, but um, in the hospital with nurses and uh, geez, I have to have broad shoulders. Uh, I mean, I have to say that because both of my, uh, I've got a, my mum and my stepmom have nursing backgrounds, but uh, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's, I mean, what were your, some of your experiences, like some of your stories uh, from your friend that, you know, you sort of alluded to the good, the bad and the ugly, like what kind of things did she tell you about the profession? It was like, a lot of it, you know, people that the hospital's a very busy place. Yeah. And you can't stop and talk to every single patient some days. It's just not possible. Like, mm. but it was just the small interactions that made a difference. And I think it was like, you know, instead of just walking in, dropping off the medication and running to the next patient, just literally just stopping and be like, how, you know, how are you going? Like, yeah. you know, how are you feeling today? Like, it's the basics you're supposed to do as a nurse. But I think sometimes people just do it as like, check off the list rather than get to know the person a little bit and yeah. when you're in there for a long time and you're going through a really crappy time really it's you know it just takes one person to stop and have a chat to make a difference and I think you know when I was in hospital as well you just there's one or two people that will stick with you so yeah it's something that they didn't it could have been so basic as just to be like hey how are you actually going yeah yeah so it was, I think it was those parts that I was like it takes two seconds to you know just take that tiny bit of extra care you know yeah, and I think, I mean, not to take away from anybody else in the medical profession by any stretch of the imagination, but nurses, and I guess I'm biased, but nurses are especially pragmatic people. Mm. You know, they call a spade a spade. 
Um, you never have to be in any dispute on where you stand with a nurse because they'll tell you. Um, and uh, I mean, I think that's refreshing too. I mean, doctors doctors can be different. I mean, their motivations and their training and that kind of stuff is different. But I guess nurses are just sort of immediately relatable to everybody. I mean, they've got that background, but they've also come across as you know, real people. I mean, would, yeah. yeah do, I mean, not to. Sorry, I guess I'm hedging my bets here, but not saying that other people aren't real people, but they, um, but yeah, they're especially relatable. I think that, it, and a lot of the time they're the link between the patient and then maybe the surgeon or the doctor and yeah. or the person that you know you're dealing with 90% of the time. So it helps to have someone that you relate to and someone that you can be like, hey, you know how we were chatting about this before? You know, like I think that it, having that relationship with someone that you can trust and that you can talk to. And not say you can't with the doctors, it's yeah. just not there a lot of the time. So it's, you know, having that person that can be that link and that advocate and in for use is really important. So uh, there's one part that I do like about it is you get that connection with the patient, you know, yep. you can build that relationship and stuff like that. So is that, uh, do they, I mean, do they cover that off or any of that sort of aspect off in the training in nursing or is it very much a science, you know, medications? Do you, I mean, do you get that exposure? Yeah, you. I think you're, you know, in, in classes in theory, it's very much like, you know, this is what you're doing, this is how it works, but they do cover the more like therapeutic relationship. I guess they kind of, they try and encourage it, obviously. But yeah. then when you're on prac placements that you're actually working in a hospital, those are the times that you pick it up from the nurses around you and the people that are caring for the patients around you. And, you know, you learn from them and you kind of, you observe a lot and yeah. you pick up your, like, I guess your own style of style, in yeah. Way. Like in a weird way, you kind of pick what works for you and how you can kind of like have a chat to a patient, or yeah, and yeah, you're sitting back and watching out like your preceptors and you know your other senior nurses and how they kind of work is where you definitely learn the most. And I guess it's those interpersonal relationship skills have to be, you know, so important in that space. I mean, I mean, with that getting too much into my background, but, um, you know, my profession is technology and you learn all the technology, but if you can't talk to people, you can't apply that technology. So it's yeah. so, so key. Yeah. And I guess finding that common ground with someone that is in hospital, because a lot of the time, you know, people could be in there and it's like the worst moments of their life. And, yeah. you know, it could be someone who you would never normally relate to, like, and you have to kind of build that relationship and be like, Hey, I know I'm like this, you know, when I started, I'm this 18, 19 year old girl that I'm just learning how to be a nurse. Do you mind if I look after you? You know, you can't, it's this weird, like, especially when you're a student, it's like, yeah. hey, like, I'm a student. Is it okay with you if I'm here? And is it okay if I kind of like help you with this and stuff? It's just kind of like learning those boundaries and hmm. still kind of learning for yourself as well. It's, just, yeah, so it's, it's a weird in between, but I'm glad that I'm, you know, at the end of <laughs> the student phase now, but I learned a lot. And you're still, I mean, you're still very excited for it, even at the end of the student phase, because, I mean, it'd be so easily, particularly after, you know, your issues and, you know, a couple of years of pandemic, uh, you know, it would be totally understandable if you're a bit sort of hesitant, I guess. I mean, yeah. you still got the, you still got the burning passion there. Yeah, like I think that even though, you know, you go through some times when you're a student and, you know, just through uni in general that you're like, am I doing this? Like, am I really, yeah. <laughs> like, really picking to be a nurse? You know, people along the way are like, wow, okay, like you go. And especially with the um, pandemic and things, I think everyone's like, all right, <laughs> like, yeah. it's a tough one. And I know it will be at times, but at the same time, I couldn't picture myself doing something else. So I'm still, I'm still nervous. I start, I've got my orientation next week. So I'm yep. nervous, but at the same time, I'm like excited to just get into it and, you know, keep learning and stuff like that yeah yeah okay oh, well that sounds like i mean it sounds like you've been pretty now that you've found your space you're uh it's a fair to say you you're pretty damn focused you're, you're willing to get in there and give it a, yeah. a good a good crack yeah definitely yeah yeah that's cool okay so uh i guess to sort of go into a little bit of your situation you know you've you've as you said you've just finished uni um but in amongst that mix somewhere um, I guess the wheels kind of uh, fell off, uh, fell off a little bit. Uh, so you were 19 when you um, had your stroke. Is that is that right? Yes, yeah. So I would say I was like a year or so in, almost halfway. I guess in my degree, I was 19. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess things changed <laughs> quite quickly for me. Yeah. 
um, yeah, so I had I had my stroke. Um, you know, I was in the midst of exams and all that sort of stuff. So it was it came out of nowhere. Um, yeah. But I guess like I the most of my recovery when dealing with the stroke was came afterwards and learning how to kind of you know figure things out, but still be able to do the studies and do the things that I wanted to do. So yeah, yeah. so I guess with regards to that that stroke, that event, because you had some complications around that point too. So, I mean, can you tell me a little bit or share with, you know, a little bit about, I guess you've had this event, you're in the hospital. Um, I mean, geez, what were you, what, when you could think, because I, again, I remember you don't think too much in the early days, but when you could actually start to piece it together, what was your take on this? I guess I was just like confused more than anything. Like yeah. my my speech was the only thing that was kind of affected and that came back to, I guess, kind of full swing between 15 and 24 hours of me being in hospital. But I think that like that moment when I just started to think about it, I was like, wait, what is happening? Like, yeah, why, you know, why? You, you question like, why is this happening? And at that stage, like the early stages of me in hospital, they were kind of like, um, we don't know why this has happened yet. We're going to try and figure it out, but we yeah. might not find out why. And I guess it was just those first few days were horrible. Just kind of like, you know, you're in this haze of you're, you're so confused. I was so confused still. Mm. And I was like, you know, you've got a million and one people coming in and out of your room. And mm-hmm. um, I was told by accident that I had the stroke. Like someone kind of was like, oh, so, you know, you, you had the stroke. And mom and I were like, wait, no, 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 like no one's actually said that word to me yet. And they were like, oh, okay, well, you know, here is your your MRI. And So and this was like, how long post-event? This was probably, I'd say like, when did I go in? It could have been like 24 hours-ish. It was like, to me, I think-ish, it was kind of like I went in late at night and I yeah. kind of found out, okay, maybe, maybe less than in the sure. next day. But I was... I think it was just like that moment when I found out and someone said stroke for the first time. Yeah. Like, you know, I didn't really, I kind of considered it before because, you know, they were doing the fast, you know, stroke Mm. test and things like that. And, you know, I was, but no one really guesses that, I guess, for a 19 year old. And all this during the period where you couldn't speak. Yeah. So by the time they told me, I'd gained like most, you know, most of my speech back. Okay. Little, there was little points where I was kind of, words weren't quite making sense, but, you know, I was understanding everything and mm. um, I could kind of, like mostly communicate by that point. I think there was a few times where I would just kind of stop because I was like, I think I'm messing up my words here. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was an interesting few days. Um, the first few days before figuring out why it had happened and then, you know, I started getting tests. They will explain that, you know, we're going to do some tests on your heart because... Mm-hmm. A lot of the time in young stroke, you know, this could be one of the reasons why. Um, and they found a hole in my heart, um, an atrial septal defect that I, they assumed I'd had since birth, but hadn't found, yeah. didn't, didn't know about. And they just explained to me in the most basic way that, you know, you've got the little hole, blood kind of flows through when it's not supposed to, and a little tiny clot formed around the edge of the hole and some way flicked up. And went to my brain so <laughs> that was the explanation i eventually got and okay. i was like sitting there like what <laughs> so now my heart's involved <laughs> yeah. did you did your background in nursing help you kind of i don't think anyone can ever be prepared for news like that but at least you'd be able to kind of did it help you contextualize it a little bit a little bit a little bit because we'd almost covered stroke like not even a week or two before in one of oh, my wow. It was used as like a case study um, in one of my labs. And it was just like, um, you know, Bob, 70 years old, has had a stroke. Bob, 70 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was kind of like, I knew what a stroke was and I knew kind of like some of the other side effects that can happen. And, you know, I was like tossing that up in my head going, okay, like, you know, this is what it happened for me, but I was, it helped in a way. Oh, that was my next question. Do you think that helped or hindered knowing what could come down the track? Is ignorance bliss or did it sort of? Honestly, I think it was a bit of both. Because I think both? part of me was like, hold on, like, can this happen? It was always the, can this happen again? Is this, 
going to change for me? Yeah. Like, is my speech effective first? And then there's some, something else going to happen and come from it. Like, I think, but I think anyone would have those oh, you know, yeah. questions yeah. as well. So I think it was a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In a weird way, it helped, but it also was kind of like, oh, oh dear. Like, I, I kind of knew at that point, like, okay, it's pretty serious. Like, And I guess you can start what ifing with that little bit of knowledge as well. Or oh, what yeah. if this happens and what if that happens? Whereas. Not great when you're laying in a hospital bed and you've got a lot of time thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, did the um, I mean, did the professionals around you give you kind of any any insight outside of what already knowledge that you and your mum had? Because I've uh, spoken to your mum as well. But um, did they did they give you a, a bit of a, a flavour on what could potentially come down the line? In, I guess it was. I think my my memory and my experience at that time would be that. I didn't feel I got the information that I know now. And yep. I think that um, because I was so young, 90% of what I heard was, oh, you're very young. Like, you know, oh, yeah. it was just, oh, wow, more than, it wasn't exactly the most reassuring thing. Yeah. You're going, wait, so am I like the only person that, you know, like <laughs> you go, so this doesn't happen often. Do we know what's going on sort of thing? And then there were a lot of questions on, that I would ask about, hey, so like, what what's happening now? Like, you know, like, uh, can I go back to normal life? Like, when I get discharged, you know, what's the plan for me? Because I know nothing. And a lot of things, people would kind of be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, and handball me off to someone else. Maybe check with you yeah. know, the neuro team. But then the neuro team were like, oh, you know, maybe maybe check with the cardiologist. And you know, there was this weird in between. And eventually, like, I had a like. It was like, oh, you're going to get this surgery um, mm. to repair this hole in your heart because you know that's that's the cause that we've got, and you know yep. then you'll then you'll be good to go. But you know that's going to happen in like two months or a month and a half. And I was oh wow, like, I was like, okay, but what happens in the in between? You know, like you've you given these blood thinners, and they're like, oh, you'll be okay. You know, like here's the blood thinners. Like you, then you'll have your surgery, and then you'll be good to go. And there wasn't, apart from getting the, um, like the stroke pack, the book, apart from that, there wasn't a whole lot of clarity for me about what was going to happen mm-hmm. after. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that knowing now that the support that I could have got or the answers I could have got, it's a bit frustrating because it's like there's so many amazing supports out there, like the Stroke Foundation and, like, you know, people, there are other people out there that are like me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> At yeah. that point, I didn't feel like I knew that at all. Because the last thing you want to hear is, oh, well, you're young. What you probably preferred here, and I know that I felt this, oh, yeah, we've had five of you in last week. We know what we're doing. I mean, not, yeah. not that <laughs> they would say it like that, but, you know, everything will be cool. We, you know, you jump through these hoops and you'll get to this and, and everything yeah. will be hunky-dory. And when there's that lack of, oh, well, you're quite young. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it was kind of like, am I this weird anomaly? Like, are there other people that you've dealt with that, have had this situation like I think I felt like I was like the first person coming through that was 19 and had had this stroke and yeah um you know don't get me wrong between there there were people um that were amazing and there Mm. were people that I maybe could have pushed to talk to more but at that point in time I was very much still like not in denial but in shock and like oh my goodness like what's what's going on sort of thing so yeah, decisions aren't, I mean, I remember my time, decisions aren't really sort of uh, your ability to make good decisions, much mm. less, I mean, your ability to maintain a decent mood, your ability to be civil to people after you've had a stroke, let alone make good decisions, let alone, uh, you know, try and work out and interact with the right people that are going to give you the right help. Um, God. <laughs> and, like I could, and I acknowledge now, like I maybe could have gone through that booklet and actually like gotten past the fact that, I assumed it was all old people and yeah. it was of old people. And I could have, you know, I, I could have maybe like pushed for a bit more help, but I was just not in the, like the mental like state to be able to be like, okay, yeah, now I'll, I'll go and Google who I can talk to. I was like, yeah. I was just not, not ready for that at that time. Um, so yeah, it was a very, it was a very blurry. I think I was in there for 10 days yep. um, in hospital and it felt like a lot of sitting around and, you know, a lot of, a lot of sitting around, a lot of unknown unknowns. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. When did you start thinking? Oh, geez, what's this? What's how is this going to impact on my future? Did that come up in the, uh, in the mix? 
I think they came quite early. Um, yeah. Especially considering the fact I was supposed to have like an exam or two the next day. And, you know, I was like getting mum to help me email people, someone at uni to try and be like, I don't want to drop out. I don't want to like, I just need a break, I guess, for a week. And then can I please reschedule to do these exams? Like, I think it came quite quickly because I was like, I don't like. Sorry, I don't, sorry, Beth. I don't mean to laugh, but. Oh, I, look, I just need a break for a week and then I'm going to go and sit. Look, just cut me some slack for a week. You know, that's, that's something I'd say for a cold. Yeah, I guess it was kind of like I wanted to I wanted to not go, I'm going to be off for a long time. I was yeah. like, I'm just trying to, you know, figure out what's going out right now, going yeah. on right now. Like, this is what's happened. Um, I don't know what sort of a deadline I'm on, I guess. Like, I didn't want to risk having to repeat yeah semester or anything so I think in my mind I was going but what if I do like what I don't know why uni was so important at that point in time but I was like I don't like what's this going to mean for yeah my future like am I going to be able to like comprehend uni and write essays and things because at that point when I didn't know whether I could sit down and write a big paragraph yeah information like I had my speech and you know I wasn't sure whether there was deeper things that were going to kind of like pop up. So that was a big worry for me as well, I guess. Like, ah, so you sort of didn't have the, well, it's funny. I always sort of, you know, when you're missing cognitive abilities, you don't have the cognitive abilities to try and work out how good your cognitive abilities are. <laughs> yeah. So I think for me it was because when I was initially having my stroke, yep. I couldn't like, my words, I, my understanding was there. I knew what I was saying was completely wrong. Oh, like, okay. not correct okay. it. Yep. So I was, I could hear myself saying it, like saying the wrong words, sentences, but I just couldn't change it. And I did try and type like messages on, like a message on my phone. That's how I figured out. So by myself in my room, that's how I figured out to try and talk to myself. It was because I was typing, replying to a message and all of a sudden it was just like, completely muddled words and so you I were nutting this process out by yourself in a hospital room with a phone in your hand oh this was so this was when I was having my stroke all oh, right okay before you yeah I was at home and I was like about to go to bed and you know I was replying to some messages and all of a sudden it was just didn't make sense anymore so that's yeah. how I and I was like okay if I can't type should I try and talk and I tried to say a sentence out to myself and that's when I was like okay that's not right yeah so, um after that, when I was in hospital and, you know, my speech was back and, you know, I could type to my friends on my phone and all that sort of stuff. I think that's when the questioning came, like, well, what if there's like a deeper element to this that I can't test by just sitting here talking to people? Like, mm. is my processing and my like ability to write long sentences and paragraphs and essays and things for uni, is that going to be affected? I don't know why. My no, mind- but it, I mean, that's, it sounds like you've got a really structured mind. I mean, to actually have the presence of mind to sit down, well, okay, let's go through a little mental checklist about stuff that I may or may not be missing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it, I kind of, because I had so much time sitting in a bed in hospital, I was like thinking about like a lot of things and like, a lot of like what I'm going to be able to do in the future and like a lot of the future that I was and the things I was going through at that point in time was uni and was assignments and essays and being able to do exams and memorize things for exams and that was like a lot of what was going on so I think that's why it took up a lot of my like yeah processing at that time I guess but you'd be well within your rights as uh someone that's in a high pressure studying environment in right smack bang in the middle of your exams to be sitting in a hospital bed staring at the walls just internally screaming I mean that's probably what I would have done um but you're still like well okay well let's step this out and uh (laughs) I mean that's I mean that's to your credit that's uh I mean that must have I guess that mindset that you've got that, okay, let's take, you know, one step in front of the other, you know, must have also stood you in good stead in there, you know, prior to that with your studies. I mean, have you always been a bit like that? Have you always been quite methodical in the way you approach stuff? I wouldn't say, I don't know. I think if I actually, maybe not in normal day-to-day life, but I think if I sit down and I'm with my studies and yeah. you know, it's just me and my laptop and my notes that I need to do, I guess I've, there's a process, you know, <laughs> prioritising yeah. and, I think you have to do that when you're studying anyway. So I think I just got into the habit of that, like knowing what needs to be done when, and I guess that came into it with my thought processing, like, all right, well, this is the next step, I guess. Like 
figuring out what I can do. And I, I wasn't really getting a whole lot of guidance from everyone else. So I think it was yeah. kind of like, okay, so, you know, I want to figure out this. And I was discharged and I went to a really amazing OT. Ah. Um, but it was, for me, it was, it wasn't a huge amount of deep, um, assessments I guess it's hard it's hard like what am I going to do sit and write an essay like yeah you know it's so a lot of it came into knowing I was back on track was when I actually did get back to uni and I did have that first big assignment that was due you know that was yeah. like that was the first time that I was kind of like okay like I'm coming back I'm getting back into the, like the swing of things and you know getting the result back for that assignment that was like the clarification that okay you know it did make sense and it, it was Yes, you must have had, and I guess all survivors, when they take a hit to, you know, whether it's physical or or cognitive, you know, lose a lot of confidence. I mean, particularly, you know, uh, if you've got speech things, and I mean, I I say, you know, weird stuff all the time, um, particularly if I'm in a really relaxed environment. So it tends to really impact your confidence in yourself. Yeah, and did you find that when you were that that when you were going that first hurdle, like, oh, how's this gonna go? Oh yeah, I was so nervous, and like, you know, I was sitting there writing. I think yeah, it was an essay on I can't remember it was some unit that was like pretty tough, and I was just like questioning, like, oh my god, is this gonna make sense to anyone? Like, am I actually doing this essay? Like, is this, you know, is this making sense? And what if what if I get this back and I failed? And you know, yeah. I've gone through this whole hurdle and then I failed it at the end when I'm actually back at uni, like. <sighs> I was like, there was a lot of, there was a lot of those things where until I got that result back and until I kind of, you know, finished off those exams and things that I was like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> that's a gutsy move. Like to, like to actually, you know, I, I'm going to know that if I'm going to move forward or I'm going to take it, you know, a bit of a hit in the confidence based on a mark that someone else is going to give you. I mean, <laughs> geez, Louise, that's. It was, yeah, it was an in- interesting time. I think that just because I was so like, determined not to miss a semester or like miss a prep placement a few months later like I was so determined I didn't want to be behind it wouldn't have mattered honestly it wouldn't have made like I would have still graduated you know just afterwards and you know still would have had the same opportunities but I think to me I was like no like I I want to I want to keep did you did you want it even more in some respects post-injury than you did before yeah, I think so. I think it was because I was like proving, it was more proof, not to yeah, anyone, proof. Like, proving to me, like I was like, yeah. all right, no, like, you know, that was, that happened and, you know, this is part of it. And yeah, I think, but it also it was a really good distraction in a way, in a weird way, like having something to focus on and to like be like completely like, okay, uni, 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 like yep. let me get, finish this. You know, I had like a time frame of my semester and I think that helped a bit. Like, yeah structure like, yeah yeah just yeah so at least you had that, that the bouncing ball to follow whereas yeah without that structure wow so um did you so when you came out of sorry i'm jumping around a little bit now but when you came out of uh hospital and you sort of started to you know think about reapproaching uni again did you i mean everyone walks away with a few temporary i call them souvenirs um but you know things like you know memory and your speech and that kind of stuff um did you get did you get the fatigue yeah so the main thing even now two and a bit years on that I was kind of have had to learn to manage was is fatigue um you know I say sometimes I muddle up my words you know when you get really tired and oh yeah (laughs) and it's it's like become like a joke in my family like you know we joke about it because I notice it but Sometimes I want to like, you know how everyone does that now and then, but I think Mm. I just do it a little bit more than I probably used to. Apart from that, my main kind of deficit, I guess, is the fatigue. And I just, I didn't really understand what it was. Like, I Mm. think like people did tell me, you know, like in the hospital, you know, you may be a bit tired, maybe a bit fatigued. (laughs) It's like the understatement of the year. (laughs) That was like the first time that word fatigue was kind of thrown at me. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I understand and then it wasn't really until I left hospital and you know that first week I was like oh I'm exhausted but I was like but that could just be because I got no sleep in hospital like mm. and then it kind of carried on a bit and I just had to have like naps all the time and mm. you know, I, still, I still do like there are 
it's just I had to kind of structure a nap into my day and I felt like a toddler I was like on like how am I not making it you know I could sleep in I could have a huge sleep and have a massive sleep in yep and still by like the afternoon I'm not going to make it to dinner and past dinner if I don't have a sleep like Mm. I think that was a big thing and you know it took a long time even now I'm still learning to not push myself and I had to just listen to my body and just be like all right I'm exhausted now and it's just a different type of tiredness and the main like another thing with that was just like explaining to people around me and like explaining to my friends and you know like the people that mattered in my life to like hey like yeah I can probably catch up and do something in the Arvo but can we just do I'm exhausted today I just need to have a bit of a rest soon like how did they take it did they I mean not not that anyone would take it negatively I guess but did did they understand I think yes and no I think a lot of people would be like oh yeah no that makes sense like yeah you're pretty tired but I think people probably didn't take it as like this physical exhaustion it was more like oh yeah she's a bit knackered you know like yeah well we all get like that I hear yeah and like oh you're trying you know you've just had this big thing happen to you I guess like Mm. not a lot of people probably around me knew Mm. like you know what it kind of entailed and like it was like friends was the main thing because I was like didn't want to I was trying not to be a drama queen like I didn't want to be like oh you know what was me like I'm tired of time like I had this thing and you know blah 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 like I wanted to do the things and I wanted to like still go out with my friends and still like you know do nice things and stuff but I had to just pick how to word it to them and be like Mm. hey this is like it's nothing like if I have to cancel and like if I can't catch up anymore it's not because I don't want to and it's not because I'm just being lazy it's genuinely because my body is not gonna yeah function I'm not gonna be able to like do anything if I don't just have a sleep and I don't have a rest um, do, do you find you get that fatigue regardless of how much you've done or is it just you know regardless of you know you could you know move a pile of bricks or you know you could just sit around watching tv you've got the same amount of fatigue every day yeah or does it really flex and flow depending I think now I mean definitely like initially for the first I reckon year or something it was like it doesn't matter what I did doesn't matter how much sleep I got Mm. I was always gonna have that same amount of like tiredness and like yeah Mm. I could have a massive day or I could have a day where I'm literally doing absolutely nothing yeah and I still get just as tired I think now it's it's still kind of would be the same yeah but I think that it's just like exaggerated when I have had like a massive day of like you know things waking up early and then all day that's yeah. when like the next day after, and i was gonna say is it the next day yeah yeah that, that's, what like, the the day, like, yeah, that's what like got me yeah that's what got me in the early days it's like the, oh sorry <laughs> no, sorry it's, yeah it's the next day really yeah. for me, like and like recognizing that at first that like hey i might be feeling all day like fine all day yep but then tomorrow you're gonna be exhausted yeah so don't do too much it's the feedback loop is so long. Like you used to like, you know, if you go for, you do some exercise, you, you know, you come out of exercise. Oh, I'm, you know, prior to injury, I'm, I'm ruined. So, you know, you've pushed yourself too hard. Yeah. Whereas post-stroke from, I mean, for me, and you know, it sounds like for you, it's push yourself hard the next, uh, the previous day and you go, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling fine. I must be getting better. And then the next day you fall off a cliff. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And there's, there's some days where it's like, even if I just had a few lazy days, like yeah. I've had a bit of time off and, you know, I've been on holiday and stuff before starting my grad and like, I've had a few days where like, you know, feel a bit guilty for doing nothing, but I've not done much. Yeah. And all of a sudden one day in the middle where it's just like, I feel like I've just run a marathon or something. Like I'm exhausted. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, I've done nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. Like why? Why is this like, why am I so exhausted? Like, I feel like I could just fall asleep like instantly. Like, and I think like that was one thing just throughout the whole thing is like I say, oh yeah, it's just, you know, you know, fatigue. I've dealt with that. But it's just it it's a weird thing to have to do with when you're going through like, you know, 20, 21, 22, like, you know, I'm <laughs> it's a weird thing to have to like I mean, fatigue is something that happens when you're nineteen when you've been out till four AM in the morning after, you know, a few pubs and a couple of nightclubs back in, you know, <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. Um, you know, not, oh, well, geez, you know, studied for a bit and now I need to sleep for four hours. So, I mean, so people did, did eventually sort of get their heads around yeah, it. Yeah, like my closest friends that like, I guess when I was talking about it and, you know, explaining it, they kind of understood it. Um, but I think like, 
you never really understand it fully 100% if, unless you've like experienced like yeah the proper like exhaustion I guess and just being able to be like that's not just me being a little bit tired mm. that's like I'm fatigued like it's, it's a little bit different but everyone around me has been like super supportive and mm. like wanting to understand and to like you know want me to talk about it a lot and be like okay well how oh, are you feeling like you know what's what's with this fatigue like what is it sort of thing so so it's, it sounds like even though they may not necessarily understand they're definitely supportive yeah yeah 100 percent. i think that was a lot of everything even when i was in hospital like a lot of friends you know people find out and you know you tell certain people and mm. you know you want people to know why you're missing in action i guess and yeah you know a few people found out and they're like hey like obviously you know they didn't understand fully what was going on and i didn't even at the time but everyone was super supportive and was like you know we're here and when you do want to talk about it and you know when there is more to talk about and you feel comfortable to you know we're here and i did everyone was really like good and has been like the whole way through i guess has anyone is any of your close friends actually seen you quite fatigued yeah yeah, yeah. So, i don't know about you but i turned into a two-year-old so <laughs> yeah I just, i'm exhausted i like zone out and i'm just like grumpy and my oh it's like I don't know like it's been a few it's a few of my very very close friends that have spent like longer times with me or like if I've been I've been on holidays with friends and things like yep. that so, you know people have seen me at that time but I think when I'm with my family it's a lot worse because I don't kind of like mask it like yeah. my friends yep. I'm like you know like they're my friends they're not my family you know you try and kind of pre- not pretend you go I'm just a bit tired you know and yeah. you try not to be grumpy but my poor family have definitely seen the, the work with me um <laughs> throughout the years um my days where i'm extremely tired and fatigued so yeah um, <laughs> my friends have but definitely more my family do you have any physical um injuries for your straight like so i mean walking down the street you know apart from you know <laughs> fatigue and if you start bumping into things but uh, is this an invisible injury for you yeah it's completely you know invisible and i've never you know from the moment i was having my stroke um you know there was no like Drooping, you know, the classic yeah. drooping of the face or the yep. weakness of the arms. Like there was nothing for me. It was purely just my speech processing. Because, um, yeah, so it's bit like the whole time it's just been invisible. So that's, it's a weird thing to have to navigate. And mm. I guess like when you're telling new people or you're meeting new people and it comes up in conversation kind of, or like they'll see something on Facebook with yep. a, a new mate or, you know, like, starting a new job and there's a lot of things that it's like oh like you should probably know or like I have to declare like you know on like a health form you know my history like okay something that's happened to me I am okay but yeah. like, it happened and it was big and now I get fatigued but I'm managing it it's like this whole weird cycle of things that like learning how to tell people yeah it's a really weird thing for me like I think I just didn't until someone maybe found out or it came up in conversation. Okay. But, um, you know, Perth's a small place. And yeah. there are things that I have on, like, my Facebook, for example, mm-hmm. when we were doing um, volunteering stuff. And, and there's things that, like, you know, I don't hide it. And, you know, I've been doing things with the Stroke Foundation. I've had, like, meetings and calls and stuff. So, you know, that comes up. But, yeah, it is, it's an invisible thing for me. And... That was something that I had to just learn to um, kind of so, do. I, I mean, apart from filling in forms, because you have to, but is there is there something in your head where you go, oh, you could, I, I don't know, are you forever balancing? You want to become across as, you don't want to be high maintenance um, and you don't want to be drawing attention because, you know, everybody's got their dramas in life. You don't want to be seen to be drama farming, I think is what you said. Yeah. But by the same token, you know, you've got to balance that with, well, I need to give these, you know, some people an explanation for why the fact I fall off a cliff at 2.30 uh, in the afternoon. Um, when do you, how do you balance that disclosure versus not disclosure in an informal setting? Or is it you just shoot from the hip and if it feels right, you do it? I guess it's kind of like, um, in like if say if it's something like meeting someone new, like a new friend or, mm. you know, like it, not to do with work and things like that. I guess it's just kind of, I would just go with like, if it comes up <laughs> um, okay, yeah. or you know if there's like 
just a random time where it's like, oh yeah, like you'd be surprised at how many times, like history and health and yep. random things like that come up in conversation. So, or like volunteering, you know, sometimes it's like, that's the in that I use, I guess. It's, it just, okay. this little thing in my head, like, you know, if it's someone in my life, it's like, are they important? Are they going to be in my life? Are they going to mm. find out anyway? Mm. And are they maybe going to be exposed to, yeah, me being super fatigued? Yeah. Most of the time, it's, yeah, they probably will. So that's when I guess I come down to like that checklist of <laughs> yeah. you know, how do I work this into a conversation? How do I, I don't want to tell everyone. Yeah. I don't want to be like, I don't want to worry people. Like, that's another thing. I don't want to just be like, like, it's okay. Like, it's you know like I'm okay and like that happened and it was mm. you know two and a bit years ago now and um but it was a big part in like my life and it still it still is um so yeah, I don't know it's it's a weird thing to navigate and I think that was one thing that like I had to just figure out on my own you can't yep. really just be to ask people and be like so how you know how do you do that how do you hide that or not hide that you know it's like yeah Sometimes just have to figure out as you go. <laughs> it's it's something I still struggle with. It's like, do yeah. I, don't I? And it, yeah, it's it's a tough one. I don't. And it's to be honest with you, it's the reason why I ask the question because I still don't have a great answer. So, uh... right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly like, and like when it came down to work and stuff like that, you know, I like for this grad program for my new job. You know, I'm working as a nurse, and like you have to, you have to put down, you know, your medical history and yep. you know, like a pre like work assessment, and you know, I'm writing it down. I'm like, oh, what if they like just assume that I can't do things like what if this hinders me like what if this you know they look at that and they go oh like is she going to be like capable enough to do yeah to do like I just always almost feel like oh like let me just clarify <laughs> like, yeah almost <laughs> unconscious bias like well yeah. they've had a stroke it's not their fault but you know we have to be sure that we can do the things that we can do yeah. when, when people yeah. think of stroke yeah that's and on paper as well you don't you know, when there's a lot of things on paper, like maybe they haven't met me yet and they haven't, you know, sat down with me. They, can t- they can't, like, judge me for me. And I know yeah. people wouldn't, you know, there's always <laughs> people are going to give you a chance to be like, okay, so, like, what, well, you know, what's the go with this? You know, how do we kind of manage this? Like, no one's going to, you know, yeah. a lot of people won't discriminate. It would just be like, okay, so, like, what do we need to do with this? Is there anything? That's- okay, so they're happy to work with you in a certain yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. And- you know have a chat but it's just that initial thought of like oh what if this what if yeah bad way yeah 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 so it's a weird that's a weird thing to navigate and you know learn how to (laughs) yeah so how do you manage your fatigue i mean what tips or tricks do you have for fatigue Um, management for me it's just like honestly just like listening to my body like if i'm feeling like exhausted yeah. just to be like all right you know you can be lazy today like have a sleep have a rest get up and then see how you feel and I think a lot of at first I wasn't very I think I would try to push myself maybe a little bit more than I should have mm. or I felt guilty mm. for just being lazy and just yep. sleeping and like having a huge sleep in and then needing to go sleep again like I and even yep. now sometimes I get that like I'm like I'm being so lazy but if I wasn't then I would just be like a wreck anyway so I think now it's just I don't have you know the best routine and like the best like tips but it's honestly just like learning to listen to my body and just to be like okay like that's that's a bit much like you know don't book in too much stuff to do this week yeah okay I was so more of a a proactive do you I mean do you get proactive about it I mean because you sort of said I'll be you know when I'm feeling down I, I you know I I look after myself and that sort of stuff but do you really sort of think you know for example today's a Tuesday, I've got 10 hours worth of I don't know, Zooms or whatever. Maybe that's not a good idea. Yeah, I think like the last few months, it's been um, more, I guess, social. I've had a bit of time okay. since graduating. But when I was kind of in uni and when I was, you know, doing a lot of different, I guess, more like study academic type things, I just had to put like a limit on it sometimes. Like, it just came down to like, look, like, yeah, I've got this essay to finish. Yeah, yeah, I've got this assignment that I need to work on. I've got some study to do. But like, nothing's going to happen if I stare at the screen for another hour. Like, I'm not going to be able to intake it because I'm just exhausted. Like, you know, so I just yeah. had to kind of, yeah, put a little bit more of a limit on it and be like, all right, tomorrow, like, you know, there were some days where I, you know, I had a choice to go into uni or not to go into uni. And sometimes I'm like, all right, tomorrow you can do it, like, do it from home, like, you know, 
you're still going to get the same stuff done, but you're going to not, I think you don't have that social interaction of like that extra added exhaustion. A lot of that, like at uni for me, a lot of the days that I got back, I was yeah. like, I'd spoken to heaps of people. I was like in class, I was like super stimulated and like, you know, all the lights and like all the people around you, you know, it's different to if you're sat at home on your laptop and you mm. can, you know, go have something to eat or like go have a drink and like have a coffee or, you know, stop for a bit and yeah. go have a nap. So I just decided like which things were important and which things I had to just be like, all right, you know, this is how it's going to work today because of how I felt. Did, did that require a lot of trial and error or were you quite, um, again, that methodical sort of uh, problem-solving, approaching things? Did you nut it out pretty quick? I figured it out quick that, like, okay, this fatigue is, like, a serious thing. Like, it's yeah. not it's not something that, like, might happen. I figured out, all right, this is happening for me. Um, and, that, yeah, I have to, like, not push myself. I think there were still times where I was – not methodical I was very much like no I need to do this like I didn't want to miss out or I didn't yeah. want to like you know I change my plans or something but I think mm. eventually I just figured out that like you know it's not not something that I can just shove to the side and you know be like oh I'll deal with that fatigue later it's something that I have to like think about now um and something that I have to just kind of like work into like every day but comparatively I mean compa- I still get it wrong I still overbook myself and do dumb stuff and go, no, I'm going to do that and carry on like a two-year-old usually when I'm already fatigued. <laughs> so the fact that you've got onto that, I mean, it sounds like when you're sitting in, you know, you're talking hospital, you know, working things out and, you know, and then even now you're sort of applying that same sort of methodology to, to managing your things. I mean, you know, that combined with your very clear vision of where you want it to be, I'm going back to nursing. By hook or by bloody crook, I'm going to finish this damn thing um, and I'll do it in a smart way. I mean, would you say that those two things have stood you in the best stead to get where you've got to? I think, I think yeah. so, yeah. Um, like I don't get it right 100% of the time. Oh, who does? I, I, don't, <laughs> I wouldn't say like that it's been like the most smooth sailing of like learning, you know, what's right and what's wrong. I think that, you know, I'm still two years on or something, so... I think, you know, it's taking time to, you know, yep. know what to do and how to do it. But I think that, yeah, I think that having that motivation of uni and, you know, knowing not to push myself has definitely gotten me to kind of where I am and, you know, how I see things, I guess, now. Okay. So I think this is probably a question that, uh, you know, a few people would want to would hear about. Um, you know, you've got through your, you did university, had a stroke finished university and now you're about to start nursing placements and again we know in pandemic town that um you know nurses work a hard shift it's uh you know it's hard graft how how are you going to you know match that requirements from that and your fatigue is it just a case of being open and honest with people and setting expectations early yeah i think um like I learned how to do it, I guess, when I was doing my prep placements, even though yep. they were maybe three to five, six week stints, they were shift work. And yep. that was like, I had to be there. Like I had to get signed off. And like, mm-hmm. I had days where I was like, oh my God, why am I here? Like, you know, but I was a student at that time. So, you know, you can be not on your A game, I guess, because you've got that support there the whole time. And yep. you can just be like, hey, I just need a minute. Um, you know, can I take my break early sort of thing? But I guess, you know, you're still, and you can step away from something. Like if someone goes, oh, do you want to do this one? You're like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll let you do that injection, you know, for now. Like, I'm going to go have a break. And, you know, like, I think you can manage it more. But mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, it's going to be a big thing of just, you know, it's just learning how to kind of, I guess, yeah, communicate it um, yep. is a huge thing. Um, they've already, I've already kind of like spoken to the managers and um, they even suggested before they knew anything about like, my stroke or probably even got my history on the paper mm. they were like oh as a new grad you know we give you the opportunity to drop down to like 0.8 or 0.9 which is mm. like eight shifts a fortnight or nine shifts a fortnight instead of 10 yep. so they were already giving us that option and I was like okay I clocked that and I was like all right probably be like good to start off with like you know four a week or something you know eight a fortnight and then if I felt up to it I could always pick up extra shifts because yep. god knows there's always like extra shifts that they need covered and stuff so 
I think it will definitely just come down to, you know, I, I know I will be all right. And that like now the fatigue that I get now versus where I was before and, you know, how I managed on track placements versus, yep. you know, not having that experience. I guess that like, I'm just going to have to just listen to my body and, you know, it's still a job and it's still, you know, you can't just, but you've got to try it's people's lives and, you know, yeah. it's a big job, but at the same time, like I know that I would never kind of go into a day being like completely like should not be there because yep. I'm so tired. So, and like, you know, even just being like, okay, I'll just take the four shifts a week instead of the five or the three or, you know, like I think even just starting with that is probably mm. how I'm going to be able to learn to manage it. And it's just like anything, like I learned how to deal with uni sitting yep. in front of a laptop all day. I learned how to deal with my prep license and get through them. So I think it's just another step in that, just, you know, learning what works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I might figure out that, oh, morning shifts work for me or, afternoon shifts work for me and then you know it's just a process of maybe putting in those requests and being like hey it actually works really well for me to have a sleep in in the morning and then do the one till 9 30 shift you know like it's it's just kind of learning what sort of a routine works and just being able to talk to people about it yeah um because most of the time everyone's very supportive and you know yep they're you're there for a reason and they're there for a reason. So I guess it's like just asking for that help. So I never really was good at that before, but <laughs> I've learned to ask for help when I need it or when, you know, when you need that extra little bit of guidance or clarity and stuff. But I, I guess it does take, I mean, just standing here listening or sitting here listening to the story, you know, it does take a certain amount of bravery to give this a go. I mean, it could be very easy to go, oh, I don't know if I can make this work. You know, I've got this fatigue thing. I don't know how it's going to... Whereas it's either, you know, sitting in a, you know, hospital bed going, how am I going to do my exams and planning for that? Uh, and just, you know, or even, sorry, after the, after the fact, when you were talking about sitting that exam and going, I have to try, I have to test myself. And, you know, I guess you're putting it all on the line. And I think that's, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. It's, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's an amazing thing. I mean, I guess just one last question I'd like to ask you and, you know, knowing what you know now, you know, a couple of years down the track and with all your experience and, you know, your nursing uh, experience now and, you know, even with your mum's uh, nursing experience now, I mean, what do you, I mean, do you have any ad advice for, you know, people, I mean, firstly, you know, carers slash friends slash so social circle, you know, if there's anyone listening that's, you know, got a friend that's in this situation, do you have any advice for them? I think it's just you know, off, offer your help or your ear more yep. than you think you need to. Like, just not push, but check in. And, yep. you know, it's it's always nice when you just kind of, like, get asked, you know, like, okay, well, you know, it's so easy. But how, how are you going with things? Like, you know, if, it's, if you know it's fatigue or, like, physical rehab or, you know, it's always nice when someone just stops for a second and yep. goes, you know, like, how are you actually going? Even if on the surface it's, like, oh yeah they're managing them back at uni they're like yeah. you know they're fine like they had the stroke they're good because a lot of that for me was like oh well she's out of hospital I had the surgery and on the surface I'm fine a lot of it was like I was still struggling there was a lot of stuff that you know it wasn't all easy breezy like there's all the things yeah. you have to deal with and I think like it's always just kind of like offering that support even when you think that they're having like a very easy time or you know mm. oh, they're doing so well with you know their rehab or you know, yeah. with work, uni, I think it's just kind of being there more than you think mm. you need to for a bit longer than maybe you think you need to. Because I yeah. think I was very much like, oh, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. And mm. there were just some days where all it took was like to mum to be like, are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can tell that like maybe you're not. And I was like, okay. And like, you know, you would have those moments of like, you know, you put up a wall for a long time and then yep. someone would just have a little poke and it's like, oh, okay, you know. So I think like for people around someone that has, you know, gone through such a big moment in their life, you know, remind them like, you know, that was huge. Yeah. Like that was a, you know, that was a big thing that you went through and like it's still affecting you, mm. you know, and just have chats. Like I think for me, it was a big thing was like talking, you know, like yeah. being there physically and being like, oh, like, you know, helping with meals or like it depends on the person. Yeah, I guess, depends you know, the situation. It's all important and it helps a lot. But I think just being there to actually talk is yeah. just like the biggest thing. It's like, I think that's, that's great. 
That's great advice. A lot of people don't sort of know what to say. They get a bit awkward about it too. It's like, yeah. oh, uh, do I, I, think, I don't want to pry, but, you know. I so think someone that's close to you, yeah. a lot of people that I've spoken to, you know, through the Stroke Foundation and stuff that have had strokes, everyone is extremely open. Yeah. And it's because you learn to be. And it's because you go, oh, yeah, it happened. But, you know, it, it becomes part of your life and, you know, something you've been through. And, like, so a lot of the time it's like, yeah, you might feel like you're overstepping and, you know, you, you, you learn boundaries and you learn, you know, what's a yes and no topic mm. for people. But yep. I think it's just, yeah, just asking them what they're comfortable with talking to. Like, do you want to talk about this? Like, do you mm. want to talk about what happened or what you're going through right now? Like offering it up, I think is very useful. Yep. So um, what, okay. I'm oh, sorry. Sorry, say again. <laughs> sorry, it's, it is a very hard thing to navigate. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> like, really, it's really hard. Um, I think a lot of people struggle with it because they, you know, people come out of these events radically different as well. I mean, personality changes and then there's effect with, you know, the families and yeah, it's a, it's a big thing, but I, I think that's a great tip, you know, make the attempt and, and be guided by the person that's having the issue. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, it's simply said, but it, you know, it is a challenge either way, but yeah, it's just, you know, trying to gauge off that person, what they want to talk about and how they yeah. want to talk about it. Yeah. So this one might be a harder one then. Um, Again, knowing that what you know now, what would you say to uh, to Beth that's just uh, just had the event and you know starting to you know get her capabilities back a little bit, but is asking questions of what future is going to look like and uncertainty. You know, with all the experience you've got now, what what what's a key piece of advice that you'd give um, you know survivors that are very new to the experience? Yeah, I think a huge thing would be like. For me, when I came out, I was trying to be very independent. Like when I was came out of hospital, I was like, I was trying to be like, I'm okay. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want help. I didn't, I had so many appointments and everything that I just didn't want to search for people to like, I wanted someone to come to me and be like, Hey, I've had a stroke. Like we can talk about it. Like all I wanted to do was talk to someone that had been through the same thing, yep. but I didn't actively go out and search for it. And even though it was really hard at that time to be like okay I want to sit down and like not like research it more put more time into acknowledging I've had a stroke that was mm. a big thing I think I wish I did and like I wish I kind of maybe realized that there were like so many resources out there like so many people out there that were in the same boat as me yep and you know like I I would say that like if there was someone that went through the same thing as me I'd want to go and talk to them in a heartbeat because that's the only thing I wanted at that time because everyone was like, oh my goodness, you know, wow. You know, no one was like, oh, hey, if you, you know, if you search this up, you know, you know, I had that stroke foundation book, but I didn't maybe go and look as much as I should have. Mm. And even though it was the last thing I wanted to do, it would have been amazing to talk to people that were like in the same boat as me. Yeah. I think that, you know, through things like Genius and, you know, Facebook groups and yep. Young Stroke Project and just going onto the Stroke Foundation website, it's like, mm-hmm that's something that maybe I wish I looked into a bit more. Um, And I guess on top of that, like just asking for help, (laughs) like admitting that like, Hey, I'm not having a good day or Hey, like Mm -hmm. I'm struggling a bit. I'm really exhausted. Like it's okay to ask people to help you and ask people to be there for you. Um, And that, and it's okay to talk about it and talk about what happened. And yeah, I think, I guess those are the, (laughs) those would be the main things for me, like asking for help and, just listening to my body as well. Like I think at first I tried to push myself more than I sh- sh- not yep. should have, but I guess like just learning how to be like, okay, this is the new normal and this is how you've got to manage it. And yep. yeah, so there'd be a few things, but I think, yeah, my main thing would be like, I wish I kind of searched sooner. I found people eventually, but I wish I searched a little bit sooner. Okay. Those people. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's great advice. Thank you so much. No, thanks for again. Thanks for your time today, Beth. That was that was um that was an amazing chat. Of uh, yeah, as I always do these. I have these chats with people, and I always walk away with something. But uh, yeah, I think you've given a lot of good insight and good advice today. So uh, thank you so much for your time. Right, thank you for having me. It's been no worries to kind of talk about it and have a different you know perspective on questions and things as well. Yeah. No dramas at all. This episode is part of the Young Stroke podcast series created by Stroke Foundation's Young Stroke Project. Find out more by visiting youngstrokeproject.org.au. You can listen to dozens of other podcasts on our stroke recovery website, enableme.org.au. 
StrokeLine's allied health professionals can help you manage your health and live well. StrokeLine is a practical, free and confidential service. Call 1-800-787-653, Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm, Australian Eastern Standard Time, or email strokeline at strokefoundation.org.au. The advice given here is general in nature. Discuss your situation and needs with your healthcare professionals. The Young Stroke Podcast series is presented by Australia's Stroke Foundation and funded by the Australian Government Department of Social Services.